I want to talk to you about quite a lot of stuff, to be honest with you. have got a whole list of things. Um, but to be honest, first, first of all, I just want to talk to you about yourself because when I was looking at you on TikTok, um, I saw quite a lot of things. Um, the thing that really stood out to me was um, stuff about the Nation of Islam. And I wasn't even yeah. familiar that it was outside of New York because when I, when I hear about Nation of Islam, I only hear about it in terms of New York. Um, so can you tell me a bit about how you joined the nation? Um, uh, a bit about your connection in general? Yeah, so um, actually I didn't join the nation. I was born and raised in it. I'm a nation okay. baby. So um, I always have been in the nation. Um, yeah. You want to know more about the nation? Yeah, because when we talk about it in the UK, a lot of people think of it as a radical um, Islamic group. Um, but I, I hear quite a lot of different things from people that follow Islam and people that just know about the group. Uh, right. Mainly, um, I hear I hear judgmental things about how people are brainwashed into the nation, um, things like that. <laughs> um, of course, you hear stories about people like Malcolm X. Um, there's even theories about how he died and everything like that. And we'll get onto that later because obviously that's, that's a serious conversation that we've got to have. Um, yeah, I definitely would suggest, though, on that point, that you guys, you know, look up the sources who actually knew Malcolm and not the white media Hollywood movies, because they won't yeah. tell you the right thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, I've got a lot of views about Malcolm X myself, but um, to be honest, I think they more or less align with your ideology in that. But I, I, when it comes to this conversation here, I really do want to challenge you on a couple of your ideas. Yeah. Um, so recently, there's been a lot of a lot of incidents in America to do with the Asian community. Um, I mm -hmm. wanted to ask you quite a lot about that, to be honest. Um, do you mind telling people in, um, about that? Because a lot of my listeners are going to be from the UK, some in America, um, but a lot yeah. of people in the UK won't know much about it. So basically right now, um, there's a hashtag or trend going around called Stop Asian Hate. There's been hate crimes on Asian Americans. And as you guys know, the Trump administration when he was, that was when, when COVID first broke out, Trump was the active president in the United States. And he went around, he, he was very open about saying, oh, you know, this is a China virus and was pretty much amping up a lot of hatred towards the Asian American community. Um, but now that the attacks against the community um, are on a rise, the media is putting it out as though it's black people attacking the Asian community. Now imagine that, right? They put out an NBC special or, excuse me, let me not misquote that. I don't know if it was NBC or not, but they put out a special and it was literally saying that um, the Asian Americans are the new black people. Yeah. And it was infuriating because it's like, are you kidding me? And the reason that it was infuriating is because the Asian community is very similar or almost right next to the white community as far as the mistreatment of black people in their stores in black communities and they exploit our communities so very much it's i mean the mistreatment is have been happening for years so like the instance of latasha harlins um i always bring that one up even though it was not the most recent example because there's recent examples of black women being put in chokeholds by asian store owners and punched in the face in front of their kids um, that are, you know, recent, but Latasha Harlins was a 15-year-old Black girl who was murdered by a Korean store owner shot in the back of her head for claiming to steal some juice. She was convicted because witness testimonies proved that 
Latasha was not aggressing this woman. And she was given, now I want you to think about this, how close Asian supremacy is to white supremacy. She was given probation and served no jail time for killing a black girl. Wow. So it, it's infuriating to see. And I, my position is this, we do not condone any type of violence towards anyone. We're anti-injustice, anti-violence, but we will not stand up for that community because they have not stopped the mistreatment of the black women the grievances of literally exploiting our communities. They take millions of dollars from us, mistreat us, and then deny it. So that's my stance. I understand your stance because um, quite a few points of it are true, like the exploitation of the black community. I mean, you see at a very early time in America when Asians were allowed to travel, they moved here straight away and started businesses in the black communities, which basically created a generational um, chance for them, well, generational for opportunity. Them. Yeah, for them to take our opportunity of building our own community where we could just put our money into ourselves. They got that money instead by taking that opportunity. But yes. when does it come to a point where you don't blame people today for the actions of their ancestors yesterday? I mean, you, 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 you will see that um, many Asians are born into these communities and they have their businesses passed down from their parents. So when someone had that business passed down to them, would you still say that you're exploiting the black community or would you just say that they're Absolutely. in that position? You would still say Absolutely. that they're exploiting? Yes, because you are still in a community that is suffering and a community that's economically crippled, taking from that community without giving back. So if you are able to gain generational wealth, economic wealth from the pain and suffering of another community and continuously do that, I absolutely blame you. And I don't know who they're passing it down to, but every time I go into a store, a nail salon, a beauty supply store, they are still disrespectful. So yeah. it's it has not been alleviated at all. Yeah, I, I think in the Asian community, there is definitely racial hatred. I've experienced some myself. I'm, I have Asian friends and their parents. Some of them don't even want me to hang out with their Asian, Asian children. So I know the Asian community, there is right. some racism in that area. But I, I feel like when it comes to it, um, we don't want to be uh, we don't want to be um, in a position where we're targeting out groups and saying, "Hey, we we can't back your cause when even when it's um, even when you're in the right because you're treating us wrong." I, I feel like if if they're being treated wrong, then we need to stand for their cause in a time and moment. But when it comes to for our cause, we need them to um to stand up for for us as well. Because you'll see when Black Lives Matter had a huge outburst last year, um Asian community was actually standing with us for that. But in the history, I would understand where you would say that the Asian community hasn't been standing for us. So, so do you not say that yeah, this is I, a I, time I, for us to stand by them as well? No, I'm sorry. I respectfully disagree because it's not holding protest signs or going to the protest with us and putting Black Lives Matter in your bio is not acceptable and uh, are, is enough when, you, when there is no alleviation to the issues. So the problem that I have is the constant scapegoating, right? It's let's stand up for them right now because they need it, but when have they stood up for us? So people will show us 1920s, 1930s, this and that, but you can't show me them condemning what's happened to Black women 
in our communities every day and the exploitation of our businesses, it's not a conversation that happens every single time. I'm not even just saying it's not an every single time thing. Every time a black person stands up and says, hey, you guys are mistreating black women in our stores and you're exploiting our communities. The backlash from their community shows how they really feel. So no, I will not say that it's something that we need to put up and stand up for right now when the mistreatment goes denied and it continues and people will be like, oh, it's not everybody, but they're benefiting as a whole from it. And as a whole, they deny it. I have screenshots, pictures of me, other people who are saying that they are trying to speak out and be like, yeah, this shouldn't be happening to Asians, but can we talk about what they're doing to us who are literally always responding? terribly and there's instances you can go back and back and back year after year anytime a black person brings up what they do in our communities how they exploit our communities they deny it in majority and they say that it doesn't happen they'll tell you to go build your own businesses their true racism will come out so when you are standing with them and you're clapping your hands with them and joining in on them they will be like yeah we're together but the second you start talking about how the the inappropriate, inordinate relationship between their businesses and our communities and the exploitation and mistreatment, they deny it. So it's not a, no, we're not standing up for a community that is consistently mistreating us. That's like standing up for the KKK. I would put the Asian businesses and the mistreatment of Black people in the way that they always deny it right along with white supremacy because white supremacy is exploiting black communities and terrorizing us. The Asians are exploiting our communities and terrorizing us. No, not every single one of them, but in majority it's not our grievances goes unaddressed. So when you see black women, black women, black men, whoever it is saying, we're not going to stand up with them. It's because the hurt goes unaddressed and people are like, no, let's not talk about. And the very idea of Every time they see me or another person talking about what's happening in the Asian community, they say, why are you talking about this now? They're so unused to, are so un, like, you know, able to scapegoat the idea that this is happening every day, that they don't think that we've been talking about it. And the idea that we haven't been talking about it speaks volumes, right? There, what's happening to them is all over the news. But when they come in our stores and beat Black women, I mean, go Google it. It's not... 30 years ago, this is every day, putting black women in chokeholds and doing all this stuff. It's not spread all over the media. So when I'm not, I'm not tolerating it and it's, that's it. I'm not going to stand by them. I will say that the violence happening towards them, absolutely terrible. No one should do that. But what they're doing in our communities, I'm not turning a blind eye to it. So when it comes to the community in general, is your problem really the accountability that they're not taking accountability for what the community is doing to us? The not taking accountability and the continuation of it, because it's like they're saying, oh, we stand by you with Black Lives Matter. Okay, so you stand by us when police kill us, but you don't stand by us when your own kill us. Yeah. Make that make sense. Okay, I 100% understand that. I think I'd have to agree with you on that as well. If there's a group that's that's doing you wrong and they're not going to even admit to that, but when someone else does it, they're going to point them out. And obviously that's just hypocritical. Exactly. There's no actual progression that's going to happen there because all that's going to happen is if you defeat one devil, you've got another one right there anyway. Exactly. So I, I 100% agree with you there. Um, and I, I think in America, you guys have a lot of ways of joining minorities into one group. You guys always call each other's POCs and things like that. Uh, um, that's something I hugely disagree with. <laughs> Me too, same. Yeah, um, I think that you can't 
group together minorities because we have completely different issues, completely way, different ways of living. Um, like exactly. black and Asian people, even though I think we should stand um, for each other, I don't think we are the same. We, we shouldn't be grouped and we're lumped into one group. Um, how do you feel like that actually um, stops us from progressing? Because I'm guessing that in, in America, when they make, when they make um, law changes, when, when they do things for POC, it's going to be ways that it's advantageous for one group, but disadvantageous for another. It's never, it's always advantageous for other groups except for Black people. So the Civil Rights Movement, for example, was advantageous for other people of color, but it was not for us. Integration was, you know, it was advancing other communities, but it was destroying ours. Before integration, Black people had 60 towns in Tulsa, Oklahoma, 40,000 acres of land in North Carolina, successful businesses, strong family units. So it can be statistically shown that after integration, our condition has steadily declined. So other races, like for example, Black Wall Street being burned down. Yeah. Other races were able to come in and take over our businesses. Yeah. So it's never, people of color unity is never us first or putting us first. It's always let's get everything for everybody and we're the ones who end up with nothing. Okay, well, well I see quite a lot on your TikTok as well. You, you talk about separation and how it's needed. Um, my main question when it comes to separation is how do you decide when separation is no longer segregation? Because well, because it's not the same as, well, segregation was forced, right? It was forced um, racial violence, pretty much. It was like, well, we're going to have a white water fountain right here, and you're going to have a black water fountain right here that was less than, right? We won't absolutely, and that was still them controlling our moves, our actions, our condition. Separation is a voluntary choice of ours. And it's not something that we are asking for permission. It's just something that we are doing as if a marriage, you go and get a divorce. And it's totally different because we're having our, it's no, my water fountain right next to yours. It's our own water fountains that we control and we're distributing and we're making sure it's equal. Our own land, our own farm, our own schools that we can make sure are successful. I, I think in moderation, that makes sense. Um, but would it be something like how in the Asian community they have like Chinatown or something like that? You could have like an area where black people have their own businesses, even other races can come in, but this is where black people's businesses are. Um, so it wouldn't be like an area, it would be like we want our own land. So like like I said, um, our grandparents in North Carolina, you can look it up, they're like a um Basically, his name was Sherman General, and he asked our people what they wanted after slavery, and they said they wanted 40,000 acres of land to build their own businesses, take care of themselves, and they were, you know, most of our people at that time were illiterate, but they were so intellectually, you know, inclined that they knew that they had to be separated and do for themselves and take advantage of their own you know, destiny and have their own self-determination de and make sure that it was successful. That in their, um, in the ground that they put in the settlement, they required and stated that no other races could be there because, and the reason that they said that was because racial hatred would prevent them from being successful. And as we can see, <laughs> that's happening to us today. So it has to be a complete separate territory. And on the back of our um, program or the final call newspaper of the nation of islam it says what the muslim wants and we want if 
so as for terms of reparations, right? We don't want just ten thousand dollars given to each black individual. We yeah. want land in separation and reparations, and that land, you know, because of the immense treachery and torture that our people were put through, we absolutely deserve a land for our own where they where America will sustain us, give us resources for 20 to 25 years so we can be, you know, independent people and go on our own. Just like they did, they've done it before. They gave the Jews Palestine, yeah. you know, they gave yeah. them that. So why, you know, as us who helped build this country, blood, suffering, and pain absolutely deserve that. Okay, I, I think I definitely agree with the idea of um, reparation. Um, it's the form of it that's really important because you don't want to have um, reparations that just excuses all the behavior and it not be effective. Um, right. So the thing that you said about land does make sense, especially when you actually um, reference what happened to Jewish people. Um, they got Israel, obviously. Um, but do you really think it would be the same for black people? Would you want a land in America? Would you want a land in Africa? Absolutely. We definitely would want a land in America because this is where our grandparents suffered. We absolutely deserve that. Okay. So, so um, I just want to kind of ask you about how you feel as an American as well, because obviously you were born in America, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, knowing you, knowing the history of America, how how was your attachment to America? Because because in in England we have this whole idea that every American. They wake up, they pray, they um, sing to the flag all the time. Blah blah blah. blah. I'm so proud to be American. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but, but what's it like for you to be an American? Um. Well, so like I said, I was born and raised in the nation of Islam, so it was never. I kind of was always on these. I'm not kind of, but I was always on this mindset. So you know, we have our own flag. So that was like always what I identified with, and I never mm-hmm. identified with the American flag because you know, to be honest, it's just a flag of pain and suffering and torture for us yeah okay that makes a lot of sense i mean if you have your own identity then you're not actually you're not praising the system that actually done that to you but that 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 makes sense to me okay right because Uh, they claim that they are about freedom and liberty and justice and we can see that that's not true yeah (laughs) i I think everyone in the world actually sees america as probably the the world's biggest terrorist group to be honest with you oh yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. even even the way that you guys celebrate thanksgiving i think i think it's incredible that people even celebrate thanksgiving it makes no sense to me it doesn't make any i don't celebrate it but it really doesn't make any sense you gotta think about that we're dealing with a, a country that comes in and they literally you know almost make the indigenous are Native Americans, whatever you want to refer to them as, just so that we can know who we're talking about, um, almost make them extinct and yeah. then have a holiday celebrating a colonizer. <laughs> this is who we're dealing with. It's crazy, honestly, um, to be honest with you. Um, another thing as well is in America, um, you've had a lot of time after slavery and obviously there's been a lot of things that happened through that time, things like Jim Crow, um, but what always, what's always the question for me is what can we do as black people to take accountability and fix our own issues? Because there's going to be some things that we obviously can't control with the system, but there's going to be some things that individually we have to take accountability for, in my opinion. Um, what do you think we can do? So um, on my page, 
I talk a lot about the economic blueprint plan of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, and it is a do for self program. So it is accountability by nature because yeah. it's saying we can do for ourselves and take control of our own future and destiny and not and stop begging for people through voting, through protesting, and actually go and take our black dollars. You know, the black community in America has a $1.5 trillion spending power. Yeah. And um, these this money goes right through our hands and right out of it. We're the only community where our dollars last in our community for six hours. Now juxtapose that with, for example, again, the Asian community, their dollar stays in their community for 30 days before it leaves to, you know, other people. So, and you know, a lot of that is because they're taking our dollars away. But um, so we have such an um, immense spending power, but we're consumers because we're yeah. too busy focusing on voting, focusing on protesting, focusing on asking others to do for, for you know, something for us that we can do for ourselves. So the program is uniting our dollars, taking, there's 40 million black people in America. If we all donated a dollar to a black national treasury held and ran by black people who have taken an oath that if they misuse or abuse those funds that they have to pay for their life, it already exists, it's already set up. But 40 million of us donate just $1 a month. That's $40 million a month for us to buy our own land, buy our own farms, implement this. And it's already happening. We in the Nation of Islam have already started doing it. We have our own schools, our own land, but we have to obviously receive more support and donations from our people here in America and abroad you know, anybody can donate who wants to help see us out, come out of the suffering condition that we're in. But the whole process of it is taking our own dollars, doing for our own self, taking the best of our people, the best doctors, the best lawyers, putting them in front, teaching the rest. And we can start obviously creating our own success and progress. Okay. Um, makes sense. That's basically the whole idea of reparations that you're talking about before, but you doing it yourself rather than being gifted it, right? Yes. Okay. So uh, yeah, in my eyes, that's a hundred percent accountability. You're actually going to get it your actual self rather than waiting for someone else to give it to you. That makes yes. sense to me. Um, when it comes to it though, there's, there's a lot of people that feel like they don't want, they don't have to do that. I mean, cause they shouldn't have to do that. So they just kind of won't. So um, what, how, how do you plan on getting a group of black people to do that? When realistically, a lot of people feel like they shouldn't have to do that. So they literally won't, won't do it. Well, I don't even know if it's them thinking that they shouldn't have to do it. A lot of our people, unfortunately, have been traditioned into a mindset that, um, you know, we're trying very hard to break, but they've been taught self-hatred. They've been taught that voting and following what our grandparents have done is, you know, the right way and even alleviating from that, or excuse me, deviating from that in any way is an insult to our grandparents that they just have to see it through. Um, so I talk a lot about how our grandparents actually did not want integration, but um, so they, they believe in these things. They believe in people of color unity. They believe that God wants us to love everybody, right? Those are mindsets that we did not naturally have, but were forced onto us. So when, you know, a matter of it's not a matter of them not wanting to do it. It's just a matter of lack of education. And it's taking people who say, hey, I'm pointing this out to you. And even on my page, I've seen people who did not think about this. And they're so happy to finally hear someone saying like this because our people really want solutions. They don't want to be here suffering 
in the condition condition we're suffering in. Our men are overpopulated. Our black women and you know our children are seventy two percent being born outside of marriages. Um, we have the most health issues of any race in this country. We are literally under genocide. So yeah. it's not some it's not a hard thing to convince them. It's a matter of you know presenting them with an option. Either we're going to actually do for ourselves and get better, or you're going to stay here and keep you know convincing yourself that voting and integration is an idea, and you're not going to progress. So we we just put out that information, and most of our people are going to come. Okay, so is it, is it really for you the same way that people protest for Black Lives Matter? They should be going out and spreading information about what the Nation of Islam is actually doing right now. Yes, exactly. Okay, so when it comes to it, the, the basic plan of the nation of Islam right now is to gain more land and build schools and make an, a basic black economy, right? Yep, build buy land, build farms, buy, build schools, um, and really, you know, be able to take care of ourselves and end the suffering that people experience. Okay, I think in general that that does make sense to me, and I think it'll make sense to most people as well when you break it down like that. To be honest with you. Um, but how do you react to the people that, um, even some black people that will call you like an extremist or um, things like that? Yeah, it's, um, it's actually hilarious because <laughs> the idea, no, it is the idea that wanting for ourselves, what every single other race has is yeah. extreme yeah. should already tell you something. Why is it? Us wanting black owned businesses, black land, black schools, extreme when white people have their own schools, own businesses, Asian people have their own schools, own businesses, Hispanics have their own schools, own businesses. But when we want it, it's extreme, right? When we say black first, it's racist, but everyone else can put their, their own race first. It's a mind trick. So any black person who's buying into that needs to understand and really sit back and look and see why they want you to believe that something for yourself is extreme. Okay. Well, when it comes to it politically, and you normally have to have some type of um, political party to actually help you progress with this. But in America, I think it's really interesting when it comes to politics and black people, because I, I look at it and it turns out 80% of black people stand behind the Democratic Party, right? And mm -hmm. obviously, the, the Republican Party is known for what it's known for. <laughs> um, so so right. um, how, how do you actually stand politically? Do you actually align with one of the parties? No, absolutely not. Um, they're the same. They're very much the same. We like to say that they're different, but the Democratic and Republican Party, the only thing that I would say is different is that Republicans are more overtly open about their hatred towards Black people and Democratic Party are trying to, you know, they're kind of, they're not kind of, but they're behind the doors being just yeah. as racist as the Republican Party. So I do not align or affiliate with either. So what actually makes you feel like that about the Democratic Party, though? Um, I mean, we can look at their, like any of the policies towards Black people has never been, it's never been good. We've never actually received anything. I was just talking about, um, I don't know if you've seen on my TikTok, but, you know, for example, Black people have been giving money to the Democratic Party for how long now, right? Since we've yeah. been voting. And um, Stacey Abrams, who is a Democrat, of course, she's a Black American, she's an activist, and thinks, I believe she's running for governor. She raised $40 million for the Democratic Party as, you know, basically, basically saying that she wants to help Black people. Now, she's been, for 10 years, raising money for them, 
you know, putting them out and presenting them as people who we need to vote for and raising money for them. Now, we have been voting for the Democratic Party, giving our money to them. Our communities are still in despair. Yeah. The, you know, Flint, Michigan, it still yeah. has no clean water. <laughs> we give our money to the Democratic Party and we see nothing back. And we cannot say that a party that takes our money, never gives us any idea of where it is, is for us. The Republican Party, same thing with them. They may take our money, they, they may do all these things, and then what? What happens? Okay. Right? And I believe mm -hmm. that um, it was Democrats, Joe Biden, um, yeah, he, he came up with the 1994 crime bill that devastated Black men. Uh, speaking of that, what's your opinion on Joe Biden then? No, it's, an, it's the same position as I have with um, any president before him, is that I'm not going to believe the same thing that they do, which is they come out, they campaign on Black people and say that Black people are really going to help you. We're going to, it all sounds nice. And then every single time, and I'm not kidding on it, every single time we never hear from them or see these policies enacted. And if they do enact these policies, they'll say, oh, we can't get it through Congress. We can't get it through Senate. So why are we yeah. even wasting our time? But on, on Joe Biden, he came out and he, in his acceptance speech, he said, you know, I want to thank the African-American community. You guys stood up for me again and every time. Now imagine how insulting it is and how, how embarrassing really it is for him to get in office Thank Black people for basically getting him into office. And then the first legislation he signed is for the LGBT community and for the Hispanic community. It has done nothing for Black people so far. And we know so, that he so won't. He hasn't done anything for Black people so far. No. They want to say that he did the um, prison reform bill, or basically was basically to say that they're going to end private prisons, yeah. uh, the contract between the government and private prisons, but that's not actually prison reform because Black people are committing crime in Black communities, but they're going and paying their restitution in white communities. Prison reform yeah. would be let them pay the restitution and help build up our communities. Okay, that makes sense. So, so your thing with prison is really if, if you're going to prison, stay in your local area so you can serve that area rather than serving another community. Yes. Okay, that makes sense. Well, bringing it back to politics as well, um, is there like a, a movement for the Nation of Islam to have their own political party? Or is it just a um, thing that politics isn't, isn't a factor right now? We're just doing whatever we can by ourselves as individuals. Right, we just know for a fact, we, we don't have a political party. We are a, um, an organization that we stand on the fact that we're not just, because it's not just an organization, right? It is a religious yeah. organization. And so we believe that we are representing the actual, you know, God and Masfara Muhammad. So we do not believe that the justice for our people will be coming from this government, our America, that it's going to come from, you know, ourselves doing it and that they're not, that they're not ever going to let us go and that someone's going to have to intervene and we're going to have to do for ourselves. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm curious a bit more about the Nation of Islam as well, um, because obviously when it comes to the Nation of Islam, I'm guessing because it has the word Islam in it, that it's very close to Islam. Uh, right. So what's the actual difference between the two? Nation of Islam and Islam? Yeah. Well, um, 
there's no like obviously we still believe that Allah is God and that you only submit to the will of Allah. The difference is that we are specifically in saying that the we're dealing with and we have to teach on the specific Black American issues and how it relates to us. So okay. it's not like we it's not like we believe that only Black people can be Muslims, but we have to obviously address the things that our people are experiencing. Okay. So realistically, the Nation of Islam is just um, a Muslim group that's putting black people's priorities first right now. Oh okay. yeah, absolutely. Okay, that makes sense. So, so is there ever a time that um, that other Muslims will criticize the nation? Yeah, always. Um, they say what, that we're not actually following. Okay, so they don't they don't believe that you follow actual, actual Islam. Yeah, they think that we are um, basically that we're putting it as to it's just black, you know, black Muslim or black Islam. Okay, so they think it's something completely different, basically. Right, yeah. which isn't right. true. Okay, uh, that's interesting because I've grown up quite around around quite a few Muslim. Um, literally, the city that I'm from in England, they call it the British Pakistan. <laughs> so um literally everyone that I know growing up was was um Muslim growing up and they're known to be quite accepting people, but when it comes to religion, they're extremely serious, they take it one hundred percent serious. Um so when someone does something outside of what's the cultural norm, they'll normally shame that person. So do you feel right. like that's what happens with the with the nation of Islam because it's not the cultural norm, that it's kind of um a shaming thing? Yeah, I, I definitely think that that happens for sure. Um, but it has to happen for them to say that we're not real, you know, real Muslims or we don't represent Islam. And our grandparents, you know, before they were brought over to America, were Muslim. Yeah. So. Okay. So, so going off that then, obviously, um, you talked about how your grandparents were Muslim before they came over to America. There's a lot of people that have doubts about how that, that actually works. So do you mind just explaining that a little bit? Um, well, we never, like Black people have never even, there's no record of us being Christians or hearing of Christianity prior to um, being brought over here. And Christianity is a new religion, whether we not like it or not. So obviously, if we were not Christians and we were obviously not in America, we were in Africa, what we call East Asia, before they changed it to name it Africa, we were we were definitely Muslims. We definitely believed in Islam and we definitely, you know, believed in Allah. That was, we, when we came over here, our, they took our language, they took our history and our language was Arabic and our history was and our, you know, knowledge was Islam. Okay. Makes sense. Well, uh, to be honest with you, uh, there's a quite a few questions that I want to ask, but um, these are going to be some a completely different topic. So I don't really want to ask them today, uh, but I, just by finishing this off, I just want to um, ask you if you have any information that you want to give people to research about the Nation of Islam or anything like that. Yeah, so I always tell people, if you want to learn about the Nation of Islam, come to us. Um, we have our own websites. We have our books. And they are, you know, totally, totally indisputable indisputable facts. We're not using our own facts. We cite sources. We we represent, you know, and we stand on the fact that we can prove what we believe scientifically, mathematically, and in history. So I would say go to NOI.org. That's our website. And you can find out about that. 
for those who are interested in learning more about the Malcolm X situation, I know we didn't talk about it, but there's a very good book called um, But Didn't Y'all Kill Malcolm by Brother Demetric Muhammad. And you can go to researchminister.com and or you can go on YouTube if you want to choose a free route. And um, it's the assass understanding the assassination of Malcolm X by Dr. Wesley Muhammad. And it is just a four hour, just absolute, you know, amazing explanation of what actually happened by putting up facts, resources, and statistics, all of it. It's just true. So I would say okay. go to those things, but always come to us. Yeah. Awesome. So we'll get the information from the source. That, that's perfect. Actually, yeah. there was one thing that I did forget to ask you, which I think is incredibly important to talk about right now. Um, so when it comes to the nation of Islam, as soon as I told people that I was going to be talking to someone that's actually a part of the nation of Islam, the first things that I heard were they're anti-Semitic, they're homophobic. Um, is there any story, anything you can say about that? Yeah, let me just show you a book I have actually, reading it right now. Um, it's called The Secret Relationship Between Blacks and Jews. Okay. It is uh, written by the Nation of Islam. It is a, I mean, we have over, I don't know the exact amount, but there's like hundreds of footnotes of, and all we do in this book is quote Jewish scholars, Jewish okay. rabbis. And you can find in this book that there is um, no history of the Nation of Islam being anti-Semitic or the Minister Farrakhan being anti-Semitic, but you can find the truth about Jews people in the Jewish community specifically, um, a certain aspect of the Jewish community being anti-Black. Um, members like Arnold Foster, who was a Jewish, um, who was a, a Jew and he's the head of the um, ADL, part of the ADL actually. And he said that they cannot find and admit it any history of the nation of Islam being anti-Semitic. So they've admitted that the nation of Islam is not anti-Semitic. You can't find any history of the nation of Islam committing any violence towards the Jewish community, but they always, anytime you are speaking up for black people, especially economically, because the Jewish community has control over the black economy, you are labeled anti-Semitic. So it's not just the nation of Islam, actually. It's been Oprah Winfrey was even called anti-Semitic. Imagine that, you know, um, they called Gandhi anti-Semitic. They called W.E.B. Du Bois anti-Semitic. They called Marcus Garvey anti-Semitic. So this book really analyzes that relationship and it, dis and it completely just disproves any type of anti-Semitism on, um, on the nation of Islam. And that also goes towards the anti-homophobic uh, you know, anti claims because we in the nation of Islam, you can't find any examples of us committing violence against anybody in the LGBTQ community. Mr. Yeah. Um, Farrakhan has quoted several times, let him without sin cast the first stone, right? Like we don't believe that they deserve any type of harm or anything else. Okay, well, I think that's a good way to end it off, to be honest. It's a positive message as well. Um, thank, thank you just for talking as well. I know, I know you're a busy person. Of I appreciate the conversation. <laughs> Um, no honestly. problem. Thank you for having me on your platform, and hopefully, no. I answered. I answered some questions that people had about the nation of Islam and what we 100%. believe. In. You yeah, know, especially you about the Asian community. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was a great conversation. Honestly, I'm, I'm going to leave you to it anyway because I know it's like twelve o'clock for you, so you've got a whole day, and I'm going to literally go home and go to sleep, get some sleep. But, thank you. <laughs> yeah, well, you have a good night, anyway. and thank you for having me on your show. One hundred percent. I'll talk to you later.
Bye. Okay. Bye.